You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. This is Fired Up NFL Draft with your host, Daniel Gare and Mitch Wolf. Mitch, how are you doing today? Doing good. Excited to talk about uh, the Combine, which is always an extremely fun event uh, for a variety of reasons. But, you know, obviously this is a very interesting class with a lot of uh, uh, diverse types of athletes. So this will be a very interesting exercise to go through. Yeah, for sure. And that is uh, coming up on March 1st through the 7th. 324 prospects were invited. So uh, we will start out. Uh, quarterback position isn't really uh, a big time um, combine thing. It's mainly these other positions here. So we will start out with the running backs. Mitch, who did you have for your uh, running back? So for me, it's uh, Kyron Williams, the running back out of Notre Dame, uh, who's listed at 5'9, 195 or thereabouts. And the reason why I picked him is that I think he'll test quite well in the agility drills, the short shuttle and the three cone. Um, Maybe not as good of a jumper just because he's a smaller back, but I'm interested to see what he runs in the 40 because there's some concerns about his kind of long speed. And when you're a smaller back, um, typically and he like, he's obviously a very good pass protector and a solid receiver out of the backfield. So the question is, can he be of a home run threat as a runner and, you know, the 40 obviously isn't the sole determinant of that as a trait, but that'll be something interesting to see. Like, does he run, you know, a four, six, or does he run a, a, like a, a, like a mid four, six or a low four, five? Um, Cause if he runs the ladder and gets, you know, maybe even to the high four, fours, then, you know, he has a good case at running back one. If he doesn't, then you might see him slip down the board a little bit because of the size and then the lack of long speed. Yeah. Uh, I, I had him on my short list of guys I was considering for this. Um, for me, I'm going to go with a guy where you really want to look and see. He's going to go into a system. The best system for him is one where you just want a great athlete back there, and that's uh, Jerome Ford from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He's going to be best in these Kyle Shanahan-type systems. Uh, would be a great get for like Miami's going to be looking for that player on day three with uh, Mike McDaniel as their new head coach. He needs to show that he has that explosiveness and you can, you can teach the other stuff. They do a great job at that, but they get these explosive athletes back there at blah guys with kick return backgrounds where you're able to get them the ball and they're able to find a lane and burst through there and I think he needs to have a uh, really good uh, showing at the combine Um, because he he did pretty pretty well on film but I want to see him if he's going to be this Shanahan system player they're going to want him to be a very good athlete Uh, another interesting note one to 
hit on two things uh, name-wise, actually, on this list. There's a few uh, interesting name things. Uh, Kenneth Walker going with Kenny. Um, and mm. uh, Zaquandre White going with Quan. Uh, so interested to see if that's going to be a sticking point there where it's now Kenny and Quan uh, there. Yeah, I mean, we saw Mitch Trubisky try to pull this uh, when he was getting drafted, trying to switch to Mitchell, which I can I can understand. Uh, but yeah, that is the Zaquandre one I get because I mean Zaquandre is a bit of a mouthful. Going from yeah. Kenneth to Kenny is, I think we, I think Kenneth Walker the third just flows well. I don't know why. You're yeah, it, that it's change. a it's a uh, it's a personality change. Going yeah, Kenneth, there's a big difference between a Kenneth and a Kenny. Yeah, so I I don't know about that one, but in, are there any other guys that? You know, are you like kind of maybe like looking down later in the board? We'll try to do this for all of them, maybe if we can come up with them. But guys that are down the board that say like, oh, if this guy pops off, like he could really, really help himself. But like a guy who's like kind of already a day three guy, and we expect um, that. CJ Verdell. That's that's one I thought of. Is, is and I'm just wondering if he's healthy. But I do really like him a lot. Yeah. But the other one that I wanted to bring up was Pierre Strong Jr. from South Dakota State, who is a really talented player uh, has put up a ton of stats for the Jack rabbits. Um, and he played very well in the shrine game as well. And, you know, he's obviously an FCS guy, but if he can show up and, you know, put in some good times, you know, he could really help himself. He probably doesn't get into the day two range, but, you know, switching from like around six or seven to around four or five is a big change for a guy like that. Yeah, definitely. And you, you look at it around four or five, you're probably, you're lower on the depth chart, but you're still there as a running back, a round six, seven guy. You're brought in mainly mm-hmm. special teamer. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so moving on to receivers, um, I'll start. My first guy of these higher end, like mid-round guys, I thought he's a guy that we know is fast. I want to see how fast, and I think if he blows people away, he could start to move up. That's Calvin Austin third from mm-hmm. Memphis. Um, obviously, that fantastic track background, multi-time state champion in high school. Um, I expect him to be great. Can he be four to five? Ooh. If he can, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a second-round player in the draft okay now we're talking yeah i i feel like four threes is definitely realistic for him and yeah, you know yeah. once you get if there you can then get into the like mid four twos even high four twos mm-hmm. i think a team's going to pick him in the second yeah round. and like like we talked about like if tutu outwell can do it you know a calvin Austin's you know two inches I mean, taller yeah. and 30 and pounds better. heavier can absolutely do it yeah and he's a better player exactly um so mine's a little different and i'll probably try to go with the second one as well but the the first name that really popped off to me was justin ross from clemson uh, yeah uh because and this is going to be a bit of a theme for some of my guys is some uh, maybe underclassmen who maybe have been kind of forgotten about and kind of need to uh, reassert themselves as uh very highly tatted prospects because you know just a few years ago justin ross was being tabbed as you know okay this is the next great receiver from Clemson, you know, in that line of uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, uh, Martavis Bryant, to some extent, Mike Williams. And, you know, he was the next guy, basically. Then he has that neck injury where he's out for a while. Uh, Clemson's offense struggled this year. So, and he was injured as well. Uh, but if he's healthy finally and can, you know, put up some good times at 6'4", 205, I think he could, he could reassert himself as like a second round pick. Um, 
you know, cause I, I really love Justin Ross's game. It's just a matter of him, you know, being healthy and being the same type of athlete. Yeah, for sure. And he, again, he, like you said, very, very big guy coming into college, a uh, big time recruit just ha- had a lot of health issues and mm-hmm. he was, he was expected to be a big, uh, big addition. He was expected to be a wide receiver one on some of these Trevor Lawrence teams, uh, ahead of guys like Amari Rogers, who were Amari Rogers was the lower end recruit. He was the guy that they moved there. Mm -hmm. Whereas this was, that was supposed to be. uh, And even like, like a guy like Cornell Powell, who was kind of a special teamer for so many years, like finally got his chance once Ross went down. Yeah. Like that was supposed to be Justin Ross. He was supposed to be the guy there in that situation. And, you know, if he was healthy, maybe we're having a different conversation just because he has Trevor Lawrence throwing to him and said, DJ Uyangalole. Yeah, for sure. Um, one guy that I've been hearing a lot of buzz about is this Sky Moore from Western Michigan. Yes. I and know people love him like as a second round kind of guy. Yeah. People are very excited about him and I I'm pretty sure he's a combine invite. Uh, yes, he is. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, and I have not got the chance to watch him because he is kind of one of these late risers. Um, so, you know, if he can have a good combine, he's 5'10", 195. So if he can put in, you know, some some low four fours, high four, high four threes in the 40 um, and have some good agility drills, you know, I think that that round two hype could definitely, like that's capitalizing and he could, you know, have a really good time that would, you know, elevate him to that point. That would be very interesting. Yeah, I- I'm there with with you. I've, again, heard the hype. Uh, haven't gotten a chance to watch him either, but, and I did want to shout out, um, any of these top five players outside of obviously Jameson Williams is her, mm-hmm. but your Jahan Dotson's your, uh, your Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson outside of Olave. I, I take him out because I expect him to run very well. He was considered one of the top five fastest guys on Ohio state's team. Right. Like very fast guy. We know that. But if one of these other guys that we expect to run more in the four or five range, if like one of those guys ends up in the low four fours, mm-hmm. I think they can pretty much pass a lot of these guys that we're, we're bunching them together right now. But if, if your debate is Garrett Wilson, running a four, five, eight versus Traylon Burks running a four, four, two. I think NFL teams are going to lean more towards the four, four, two guy. If the tape's pretty similar, which I yeah, think it is at this point. Yeah. That, that'll be a great opportunity to have some players maybe kind of separate themselves from the pack at the wider, at the top of the wide receiver position in this year's class. Yeah. Moving. Uh, did you have any other uh, later round guys um no i think i think uh more was kind of that for me just because i i just don't know that much about him just yet um so you know him kind of catapulting himself from what i would kind of just assume to be a day three guy into a day two guy would kind of be that big riser that i'd be interested to see how he converts that for me ty freifogel i think he's going to have a pretty rough day okay (laughs) so i'm going into it with that expectations i don't think he's very athletic um, All right. <laughs> so if he can show, you know, average athleticism, even mm-hmm. 
like I think that would be very good because in terms of the technical side of things, I think he's all right. I think he's I think we're dropping him a bit because of those athletic at least I am. I'm dropping him a bit because of those athletic limitations that you see. So mm-hmm. if he can show that he's improved, work on his body, gotten a little faster, gotten a little more uh, fluid in the hips, gotten to be able to change direction better, I think that could be a great way to alleviate some of those athleticism concerns I have with him. All right. Moving on to tight ends. Uh, who's your uh, tight end that you're looking at here? So I'm going to pick – Jalen Weidermeyer. And the reason why I'm picking him is because this is again, one of those guys where as an underclassman in a, in a class that is pretty loaded with upperclassmen, I think Weidermeyer has the chance to kind of reassert him because some people had him as like tight end one in this class going into the season. And then he didn't have a good year, you know, Texas A&M. Yeah. Well, the other tight end one that most people had uh, ended up uh, transferring. So true, true. That, that, that also happened. Um, but, you know, that all, whole offense struggled. Um, he didn't have the best year. But I'm wondering, you know, if he has a big day at the combine, you know, does he get back in that conversation with Trey McBride and Jeremy Ruckert and even some people like with Kate Otten as, you know, kind of one of the top tight ends in this class, as opposed to being kind of an early day three guy and he's kind of in the second or even third tier of tight ends. Yeah, for me, I look at a Charlie Kohler. I think he's a bit he was my other, he was my yeah, other one. I I think he's a bit stiff. I want to see him in these agility drills. Uh, that's my number one concern with him uh, is just stiffness. I want to see him do the three cone, and I want to you know get a decent performance out of him. I did want to shout out my my boy uh, and your boy, but uh, <laughs> Connor Hayward. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love, love me some Connor Hayward, uh, apparently listed as a tight end. So yeah. Cause he played a lot of inline for yeah. uh, Michigan state. So yeah, I think he'll, he'll have a fun time. Uh, but the other, the kind of like riser guy that I'm intrigued by is, oh, wait, hang on. I got to make sure he's actually going. Yep. Okay. So it is Chigosium Okonkwo. He's going by Chig and yeah. another one guy that's kind of been a late riser. He was at shrine, I believe. And from what I've been told, he could have a very explosive day. And he's only 6'2", 242. So he's, you know, more of a big fullback build or a small tight end. You know, he's not going to be your typical inline guy, more of a move F-type tight end. But, you know, these kind of hybrid players are all the rage right now. So, you know, you get a guy like him who's a crazy athlete, maybe not just doesn't have the best production just because the offense wasn't the best. But get a guy like him, has a big day at the combine. You know, he, again probably going to still be day three, but maybe he gets into the fourth round if somebody really, really likes him. Yeah. And uh, again, we, we see a lot of with tight ends, a lot of times the athletic testing, there isn't this huge separation generally. Mm -hmm. So if a guy does separate himself, you can really see them start to really fly up just because generally it's a very tight pack and same thing the other way if someone is awful they're going to fall a lot because you have a especially this class a lot of guys similarly graded Mm -hmm. in a tight bunch you're expecting them all to be above average athletes yeah and so someone's elite or someone's poor athletically it's going to affect a lot just because it's such a tight grouping 
One one guy I want to bring up, and I guess relatively slander, is a guy who I don't think will have a good day, kind of like you said with Ty Freifogel, is Daniel Bellinger at the San Diego State tight end. And I say that because apparently I'm now on a journey of just slandering this man's name, so <laughs> I might as well lean into it at this point. Yeah, just a blocking type tight end, correct? Yep, exactly. Yeah. I guess the question is, like, who has a worse combine, him or Jake Ferguson? Or even Nick Muse, I guess. They're all kind of the same guy. I, I would guess Ferguson would be my I th- guess. I, I I think relative to their draft point, I think it could be Ferguson. Muse is a, like 15 pounds heavier. So, you know, on one hand, it'll be worse, but it could be explained by weight. But those those uh, traditional blocking tight ends will be interesting to see what they do, if any of them can separate themselves. Yeah. Moving on to the offensive line. Um, first note, Iki Ekwanu is Iki on their Mm -hmm. uh thing so we do have that um second my guy for this group the high-end guy is again i've we've each had these guys where we think they're going to test poorly and this is another one where i think he's going to test poorly it's daniel falele he is a massive human being he's mine too um if he runs any semblance of average athletic testing Mm mm-hmm he's going to fly up at 387. Like, I th- Honestly, I think the key for him is, like, ideally he gets down to, like, 360 for this. Ideally, yes, but he did play the senior bowl at that 380. Which a lot of people were surprised at that. They thought, I think people thought that was a mistake. Um, but, yeah, I yeah. mean, as long as he doesn't have an Orlando Brown Jr. type of day, which is very much in the cards, I think it'll be okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it is in the cards. <laughs> um, who's your guy? I mean, that was mine too, okay. for all the same reasons. Uh, I'm just gonna look at the list and see if I can pick somebody out. Um, maybe Cole Strange, you know, put on some weight in his lower half since the senior bowl. That would be good for him, considering that's pretty bad. Um, let me see. There was one other one I saw. I mean, Tyler Linderbaum will be interesting because if he shows up sub 290. That's going to be a problem yeah, for a lot of teams. From I forget uh, who it was, but one of the higher draft analysts said they asked him what he plays at. He this was said, uh, Lance. It was Lance Sterling. It was okay. Two two nineties was what mm-hmm. his playing weight apparently. So yeah, so he's so you know he, that's what he's got away in at. Like if it's if it's two eighty nine, that's just going to look bad. You know if yep. if it's two ninety four, that's if it's two ninety one, that's fine. Um, anything in two nineties is good. If it's even three hundred, that's great. Um, and even if he runs a little slower um, at that higher weight, I think that that really doesn't, I think that's fine. It doesn't really matter. So honestly, it wouldn't shock me if he just showed up at 301 and was like, I'm not, I'm not doing drills. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I would also agree with you there. Uh, if he doesn't do any drills and shows that he can even have that kind of weight, I think he's doing himself some favors. Um, a couple day three guys I want to hit. One, Thayer Munford, I had a lot of concerns athletically with him at tackle, kicked in. You guard. have him as a day three guy? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like like third, fourth. Okay. I was like, going to say, I, I really yeah. like Thayer Munford, so that's yeah, surprising like, to me. His tackle tape, I thought, was like seventh round worthy. Uh, that guard, a lot better. A lot of improvement from him, I thought. Um, I still have Again, this isn't your typical Ohio State freak athlete at the offensive line. He's a three-star recruit out of high school. 
Um, just not the, not this all world athlete. He has the all field stuff that you could that you would dream of, mm-hmm. right? Like the work ethic, all that. He has that. I still think he needs a very, very good athletic testing day. And by very good for him, I mean like above average for yeah. guards. Um, here, if he goes here, above average for guards, I think he's def- he's going to be like a third round guy. Here's the thing for me is that like on a, for on, a, on like a full game's worth of snaps, I'll take Thayer Munford to tackle before I'll take Nicholas Petit Frere because uh... that that that's just my opinion from what I've watched. I you know I. I get the movement skills, but I think Petit Frere is still so raw. He still has a lot of strength problems. Um, and, you know, Munford has the other side of the coin. He has some movement issues. But yeah. I'd just be more comfortable with Mun- Munford's expertise about how to play the position. Like, my, when I watched uh, Munford as a tackle, this would have been 2020 film, I believe. He was mm-hmm. the left tackle. Uh, not great had him as a day three guy um when i watched petite frere this year not great have him as a day three guy <laughs> so yeah, like so. <laughs> it's it's like sure it's uh for me it would have been pick which <laughs> pick if you like the athletic traits or the technical know-how and strength um just kind of pick what you want but yeah and then another guy is zach tom uh a lot of mm-hmm. I know a lot of guys that like him. I want to see how well he tests. I haven't gotten to watch his film, but there's a lot of guys that think he should be more of a uh, middle of day three type guy than a seventh round undrafted type guy. Yeah, that's a great call. That's another name that I've been seeing a lot around. It'll be interesting for him because he is he has played everywhere for Wake Forest. Uh, they obviously have a weird offense, but yeah, I would assume he in the NFL center or guard. Yeah, because he's probably not going to get up to 300 pounds um, and he's probably not going to play at above 300 pounds regardless. So that'll be interesting to monitor for the offensive line. Yeah. Do you have any other guys that you want? To uh, no, I think that's all. That, that's enough. That's all the guys I think I'd, I guess maybe the other one would be Dari Rosenthal, the left ta- or the tackle from Kentucky. Um, he's pretty, he's a huge dude, freak athlete as well. Uh, the te- so this should be a good event for him. He's the technical issues are where he has his problems. Um, but you know, if he can, and he's got some off field stuff too. So that'll be interesting to see, you know, maybe get some reports out of the interviews for him. Uh, but yeah, that's another guy that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Moving on to the defensive line, they have they have it just defensive line. I'll try to split it up a bit. Defensive tackle, edge rusher. Um, as an interior guy, I am looking at John Ridgeway. Okay. See how he tests uh, as that higher end, like day two guy. See if he can get like he looks. I know this has been said before about him. he looks like an NFL player. I completely agree with that. <laughs> um, but like he, his film puts him as a day two guy. Mm-hmm. Does his athletic testing match up with that? Yeah. And that's the interesting thing. And this is something that I've, I remember hearing. And if you look back on it, like it's a very, it, it's a very well-founded um, I don't know if it's necessarily opinion, but there are guys that the NFL will just value because they are huge and they can competently move regard. And they don't have to be great athletes. They don't necessarily have to be good athletes. They have to be NFL caliber athletes, competent, but if they're huge, it doesn't matter as much. And 
a guy that you would be well acquainted with is Dadaro Slayton from Florida, who got picked at the very end of last year and had some nice snaps uh, from what I remember uh, for the Packers this year. Yeah, but... he, he was solid. And again, just a massive human yeah. being that wasn't just like a, a stick. He could, yeah. he could move a bit. Yeah. And that's, that's, and you know, there are only so many people that are, you know, six, five, 340 pounds. And I remember somebody went back and like, looked at it and is like, there's been like, there are guys like that get, get drafted every year just because they're not that many people that are that big. So one guy like offer on, on a similar note, a guy who is a, a very similar player to Ridgeway is DJ Davidson from Arizona state for me. Um, he's not my guy, but he just popped up and he reminded me of it, that he is a very similar player, uh, six, five, three twenty-five, And, you know, can he move at the NFL level? And if he can, then he should be drafted. No question. Um, the ones that I want to talk about are, and this, I guess I'll just say this first one, who's kind of cheating between the two is Trayvon Walker, the defensive lineman from Georgia. And, Again, it's not necessarily that I have questions about his athleticism. It's just like how how freaky athletic can he be? Because I know Dane Brugler of the Athletics said, I think he said Trayvon Walker is his sixth player overall on his board, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, but you know, if if he comes into the combine at 6'5, 275 and lights it up, you know, with like Jadavian Clowney kind of type numbers, then you know, that's something to talk about. Um, another guy that's been kind of having a late rise right now is Alex Wright from UAB, 6'7", 270. Uh, you know, and again, length and stuff, size is going to be interesting. Uh, I know Logan Hall's gotten some of that same treatment. I watched him from last night. Yeah, not- Alex Wright, I believe, is 66 on Brugler's board. Okay, yeah. And I watched some of Logan Hall last night and some kind of a similar player. Wasn't as impressed, but, you know, th- those like really tall, really long guys are very much in vogue in the NFL right now. So it's a matter of, you know, how well can, will these guys test in terms of, you know, bending and flexibility and agility? Yeah, I, I'm there with you. Um, a defensive tackle, a day three guy, before I had an edge rusher as well, uh, but uh, separate. But Marquan McCall from Kentucky, mm-hmm. um, think he's a day three guy where you talked about, again, massive, massive player. Big guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, can he, can his movement ability be passable? Yeah. And I mean, like, it's funny. They're all, he's like 6'3, 340 something. I think he, he was listed at 379 or something crazy. Um, but, you know, there's always teams like the Ravens, like the Steelers, like the Patriots that, you know, still run a more traditional 3 4 that will always need the 0 1 tech nose tackle who just, eats the center alive <laughs> that's all the and another guy like that noah ellis from idaho he's like six four three sixty you know and you know idaho moves down to fcs so you know how good of an athlete is ellis can he move with nfl caliber players so those those big guys are you know they're not going to have necessarily eye-popping numbers in a vacuum but yeah you just long... need them to be passable exactly exactly um, for me, the edge rusher I had, I had Alex Wright as an honorable mention. He was near my, the top of my list. But my Jay Sanders, not necessarily the 40. I'm more concerned with the three cone. I want to oh, yeah. see. I don't think he's very flexible. Nope. So I think he could fall because I think this is going to be a really, really bad, like, 20th 30th percentile type performance in the three cone if i so i just got finished watching him and i'm currently writing up the scouting report on him and if i had to bet on any of the edge players to basically not be able to complete the three cone because they can't stay up 
I'd put my money on Maji Sanders, yeah, which is very that, mean to say, but yeah, he's the just stiffness, not flexible. No, and and it, and it, we'll talk about this later, maybe after the combine when when this does happen. But it makes itself apparent in so many different ways that you wouldn't anticipate. But I don't want to get, I don't want to dive down that rabbit hole just yet. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that reason is I've said it before. He's he is high hipped. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you're absolutely very right. high hipped. He and that hurts. That mm-hmm. you do not want that Alvin Edge rusher. You want, well, you, you don't want to have like just no legs, but you want a guy that's like long armed and like big chest. So that way, you know, he can bend more at the hips, bend a lot easier there because he just, Maje just cannot do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a struggle. Uh, I'll take kind of the other side of the coin of a guy that I'm just really excited to see what the numbers he does put up. And that's Dominique Robinson from Miami ah, of Ohio, yeah. uh, because uh, I'm sure you know this story, but the guy comes, he plays quarterback in high school. He comes to Miami, Ohio as a wide receiver recruit. He switches to tight end and then finally switches to defend. And I think he like starts a year at wide receiver and has like, I think 200 receiving yards uh, they switch him to defensive end, and he has a very solid year at like 6'4", 250. And he, that's what he played out when he was the senior bowl, and he was really good. You know, they even reduced him inside to rush in the B-gap during some passing downs, and he can hold up there. I was really impressed. So, like, at a, you know, at a, you know, you think of guys like D'Angelo Malone, who's going to be 6'3", 234, and he's obviously going to be awesome. I want to see if Robinson can have basically equal numbers but at 20 pounds heavier and i'll be really interested to see like if he just blows up the combine and can you know get himself into maybe sneaking it to the end of day three day two yeah um moving on to the linebackers here my guy high-end guy i think he's going to be a high-end guy at least for me i don't know where the general consensus is on him troy anderson okay yeah yeah we're talking in terms of size, he has that perfect ability. He's, what, 242, I believe, mm-hmm, weight-wise. Mm-hmm. And yep. he, his movement skills are like he's 10, 15 pounds lighter. Yeah. Um, he, he's just going to be a guy who I think when he tests well, I think he will, and I think he will fly up boards. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I, I from what I saw at the Senior Bowl, like, he's going to run. He should run super well. There's no reason to think yeah. he won't. Um. Again, kind of on the other side of the coin for me would be Darian Beavers from Cincinnati. Um, 6'4", 252, looked a good bit slower than Anderson at Senior Bowl. But, I mean, you can still find a role for guys like that. But it is a matter of, you know, does he run in the high 4.6s or in the four, or low 4.7s? Or does he run in, like, the high 4.8s? Because if it's high 4.8s, then there's a problem. <laughs> um, but... I, you know, he is a pretty good athlete. He has a safety background. So I have to think he'll probably be okay in the agilities. The long speed might just be a problem. Um, in terms of day three guys, uh, just trying to look down the board a little bit I here. I have an early day three guy. That, okay, go ahead. Uh, Brandon Smith. I think he's okay, going to be like yeah. a fourth round guy. I think he's going to test. Like, I think we all expect him to test pretty well. I mean, there's. I'm going to mention this later, but the Penn state guys just always destroy the combine. They always have incredible numbers. So now I don't think Brandon Smith has the football part of things figured out yet. My God, is he an athlete? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Hey, he's part of that new generation of like the overhang Sam linebackers that, you know, they're, 
I think a lot of teams, they get these guys that are just like incredible athletes and they're like, okay, they don't really know football. We're just going to put them in space and tell them to go find the ball. And that works, you know, when you are athletes like that. Uh, and then, you know, learning, like you said, learning the actual football may, may take a little bit of time. Yeah, and a uh, guy speaking on that, that, I think they have listed as DB, but another guy to watch in that, uh, I don't necessarily think he's uh, technically great, but like he has a wide ranging background of being used in a lot of different spots. That's Dane Belton from Iowa. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. He has snaps on film back in 2020 where he's playing more or less outside corner he's played safety and i think he's probably at that overhang type player maybe kick into will even um that you were talking about with smith i think he's that type of guy but like again it's going to be is he athletic enough to be a safety or is he going to have to be more in the box and if he's in the box he's like 220 if that it's going to be, is he strong enough to actually be able to do anything in the box if he gets in there? But he has the versatility. It's just a matter of, is he is he actually going to be athletic enough to do the things on the outside and then strong enough to do the things on the inside? He's the tweener in the wrong way. We get a lot yeah. of more modern where they can play multiple positions. He's kind of that classic tweener. Can he do any of this? Yeah. I'll, so I'll flip this one again and I'll go with an, a guy that basically has pretty much has one role and I'm just worried, like, can he keep up? And that's Jack Sanborn from Wisconsin who, <laughs> I mean, Wisconsin middle linebackers, like good tape, you know, as long as they're inside the box, you know, can he run an, an NFL style 44 linebacker, even just, you know, keep up. Can he stay up in the drills? Can he just survive basically? because Sanborn has good tape. Like he's, and he's a smart player. He knows what he's doing. Um, just a matter of like, can you be an NFL caliber athlete? So I hope personally, I hope he does perform well, but if he doesn't, I'll be like, I kind of expected that. So hoping the best for him. Yeah, I'm there. I don't think he's going to perform all perform <laughs> all that. well. Um, but uh, moving on um, to uh, corners um, for me, uh, I think the corner that I want to see, test the most is probably uh mcduffie okay mcduffie i think i really want to see his three cone and short Mm -hmm. show and all those where it's we're looking at the the short area quickness type things and his athleticism his ability to be able to bend change direction stuff like that um i think he's going to perform very well he is a shorter corner of these top guys he is probably the smallest off the top of my head. Uh, depends if you have McCurry up there in that same group. Um, but those two are the smaller guys, the sub six foot guys. Um, so those guys both need to be able to test very well in the short area, quickness, change of direction type drills, just because when you don't have that size, you need good feet and also good footwork but you need to have the athletic traits to be able to use that good footwork effectively um to be able to survive on the outside yeah i think like you said with the tight ends like you know an elite day for a corner at the combine is really good and then a catastrophic day can be an absolute killer for you know you might even just fall out of the draft um and i'm going to throw it back to something you mentioned earlier like if we want to talk about some names uh 
and naming conventions. So Ahmad Gardner is officially going with Sauce, which is great. Great choice. Um, yep. Daxton Hill is just going with Dax Hill, which I like a lot. Um, yeah. And then Martin Emerson is switching to MJ Emerson, which actually, I, I like that a good bit. Um, yeah. And I think there's... And yeah, Martin John, sounds like an old man, like your yeah, 50-year-old yeah. professor. Yeah, MJ's, MJ's a good call for him. So I like all those changes. So with that, I'll go to mine. And this is a little, probably a little bit unfair, but this goes back to my theme of underclassmen wanting to remind people of who they are, and that's Derek Stingley Jr., and this is partially, it, so it's that it's, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Andrew Booth. There's been some talk about Sauce Gardner being the best corner in this class. I still think it's Derek Stingley and, you know, he's obviously an insane athlete, but I'm, I'm honestly a little concerned that if he doesn't have an elite day, if he doesn't just blow it up, which I think he really should, then I'm, I think there's going to be, those concerns are going to get louder. And I'm worried that he'll like to kind of continue to fall as he's been kind of doing the last few weeks or months. Yeah, I, I agree. But I do think he's going to test very well. Yeah, it's yeah, I, I, I have full faith in it. It's just like I just have this nagging concern that like if this doesn't go well, it's going to be bad. And there's there's really no reason to like he's just such a good, pure player. Yeah. And uh, for for me, a couple safeties that I wanted to hit at on um, the higher rated guy in the general consensus smoke Monday. Mm. I think he his athleticism gets a bit overrated so i think after the combine he might fall a little bit just mm -hmm. because i don't think he's as good as of an athlete as people tend to think um and then the other guy is our favorite leon o'neill i think he's <laughs> going to test above average across the board so i think it's going to be a very very good day for him um, yeah so i mentioned this earlier about penn state guys but mine is jaquan brisker yeah. and from what when we talked about this earlier in the season um my concern with brisker on tape and most of it was from 2020 tape was like how fast and athletic is this guy and if i remember correctly i think he originally went to juco so that's usually an, an, an academics thing but you know they're also just not like an elite may not be an elite athlete and apparently a lot of, from what i've a lot, a lot from what i've heard from a lot of people he had a really great season uh, I need to watch more 2021. Uh, I saw it in you know, some broadcast, but just not as much uh, all 22 films. So I just want to confirm it. And like I said, Penn State guys, which always blows this event up and basically can Jaquan Brisker kind of follow in that legacy and have a really good day because I've heard there's some first round talk with him. I'm not sure much I buy into it, but if he has a great day at the combine, then that could help him a lot. Yeah. And, and Brisker is a guy where he did make a good jump and, I, I said when we went over our safeties uh, earlier, I think the difference between the 2020 and 2021 film that I had seen the, at that point was that some of the athletic concerns that I had were alleviated <laughs> by his instincts, okay. um, by his improvement in instincts. I don't necessarily think he like made some athletic leap. So I thought his instincts got better and he was able to alleviate some of those concerns with that. Yeah. Um, There's one more guy I want to bring up and he's, he's, I guess he's technically a corner, but he's not going to be, you know, your normal outside guy. And it's Marcus Jones from Houston. And I was yeah, also he's watching like five, eight, right? He's late. Yeah. He's listed at five, eight. So that's concerning, but he is an elite, 
a kick returner for one. So that's something to keep an eye on. You know, you think of guys like uh, uh, Stefan Logan, Alan Ross, and Deontay Spencer, who are these really diminutive return specialists. But he's also a, a very competent corner. And he played almost exclusively outside for Houston and looked pretty competent in press against much bigger receivers. And he's he is not a wimp like he is going to come up and tackle he's going to he's going to try he's not necessarily great at it but he's going to try and you like to see that he's really fast obviously kick returner but moves really well knows how to play the corner position just the size is going to be a concern but if he has some great drill numbers you know some teams might overlook me like all right listen like we'll put him in the slot he knows how to play the position and we can use him on special teams so he's a guy that i'm excited to watch yeah and so Another later guy, I believe you brought up that he was going to test very, very well. That's uh, because of how well he was tracked in the Mm -hmm. uh, GPS at the Senior Bowl was Tariq Woolen from Mm -hmm. uh, UTSA. Yeah, Um, Very long guy, going to have great long speed. And I think with a good 40, you look at these cover three heavy teams, which there are still a few um, out there, and you look at them and – I think he's going to be a guy where if he tests well, he will move up boards a lot for those specific teams. And, and he's a guy where when I watched him in the senior bowl, like he did not have a lot of the issues with tightness and stiffness that you typically see out of these corners that are yeah. very tall and very long, you know, I mean, he's six four two Oh five or less what he was listed at. And had a much better hip fluidity and ankle flexion than I would expect from a guy of that size. So, you know, again, a guy like he, I mean, he could set some, you know, he could be like one of the top guys in all of the drills and it'd be, you know, he could make himself a day two pick, honestly. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, do you have any more, uh, DBs here to go over? Uh, no, I think I'm all set with DBs. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think we want to dive into kicker drills, I no, guess we just could... uh, the only thing with that, uh, Cal Adamitis is the only long snapper uh, mm-hmm. invited. So I would assume that's meaning that the NFL tends to think most teams have him as their top long snapper. Yep. Yep. That's, excuse me. That's what I would take away from that too. Um, I, I, I'll say this. I, I don't know. I don't think we're going to do any bets on this or anything. Maybe we can come back and do that later, but I'll say this for now. If there's one guy, that I would put money on to to uh, lead the bench press category. It's Neil Farrell from LSU, who's their defensive tackle. And if I remember, I'm going to try to pull up his numbers right now from the senior bowl, because there was a number that stuck out to me that I was like, all right, this is the guy to bet on. Uh, so I'm just going through my book right now. and I'm going to find it really quick. Come on. Here we go. Uh, nope. Wrong team. <laughs> I'm going to find it here. Because I I'm, I might actually just if I can put money on it I might actually okay here we go so he's six three three thirty eight he has ten inch hands and he has thirty one and five eight inch arms and if you know anything about bench press is that you need short guys arms, who are baby. big and short arms because they can churn out those reps a lot easier and he has I think he had the shortest arms of any defensive tackle at or any defensive lineman at in Mobile so if you want to got to bet on Neil Farrell to win the bench press. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you you never know. Sometimes, occasionally, one of these uh, one of these unexpected guys wins it outside of the lineman. But 
typically it's safe bet is on alignment. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but that'll be it for us this week. Uh, again, a lot of these guys going to the senior bowl need a good week to uh, move up the boards. And uh, that starts March 1st. Um, so come March 8th, we'll be able to get our takes off about figure out who is moving up, who's moving down and all that uh, kind of stuff. Um, anything else to add, Mitch? No, I'm all set. All right. Yeah, really excited. This is the next big step in the draft process after the All-Star Games. So until then, let's get fired up.